Welcome, everybody, to another episode of For Your Run. It is me, Sean. I am here with Blair. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> For all of those keeping score at home, I have had a smoothie today. Blair, I think, has maybe also had a, a two, two smoothies. smoothies. Yep. That's, she's a pro. She's two. a pro. Only because it was like, I mismeasured this morning. So it was like one full ah. smoothie and a snack smoothie. <laughs> a baby smoothie. A baby smoothie. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just needed a <sighs> snack smoothie in like around the four o'clock hour when all of us get the snackies, you know, right. you want all the snacks. It's a problem. I'm trying not to fill my snacks with chips and guac all day, every day. <laughs> You're allowed. I mean, I. I no, mean, I know it's no, no. Terrible, I can, I mean, but. I'm pretty sure I've had guacamole. <laughs> I had it for lunch today, dinner last night, and dinner the night before. And guess what we're having for dinner tonight? Guac, taco guac, salad guac, with guacamole. Guac. <laughs> I'm inspired. It's a problem. It's a real problem. I am inspired by guacamole. <laughs> Holy guacamole. Holy guacamole. <laughs> Bad dad jokes. Bad dad jokes. We love them. Oh, we love we them so much. We should tell everyone the one I told you from earlier. Oh, no. Lay it Which on Which one em. was your favorite? Oh, they were both just so stunning. They were. Okay. All right. So, Here everybody, what's orange and sounds like a parrot? Mm. <laughs> a parrot. A carrot. <laughs> what a stunner. That's a stunner. There's a really funny one here. I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey. Then I turned myself around. <laughs> you know I how sometimes a, joke. a joke is so bad that it hurts you. This one hurt so good. It, it, was, uh, a, it was a oh, knee slapper. Oh, oh, knee slapper. I know. Bringing dad jokes on dad jokes on dad jokes over here. I know. Here. I know. There's a lot more that I found. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> Maybe we have to dedicate an entire, not a Q&A, but just like a dad joke-a-thon. Oh, I mean, that's good. We could do like, like a, our top three. It would be like a poetry slam, except just dad jokes. <laughs> No one would want to listen to that while they ran. <laughs> listen to all of you listening. If you want the dad joke episode, you got to let us know. And we probably still won't do it because it's a really bad idea. Or we could play idea. a rousing game of would you rather. Oh, snap. I love games. Oh, I love snap. board games. I love games mm -hmm. of all kinds, mm -hmm. including tag. <laughs> yes, I am also in. All right. We got it. We've gotten all of the goofy goofiness out of the no, way we haven't you're right we <laughs> but haven't <I'll> stop. <laughs> listen give me 15 good seconds fine to I'm say that today <laughs> today everybody our guest is amazing just, i i don't have inspiring. any inspiring it it's so hard to describe Gritty, but yes graceful she is courageous, a lot of them. courageous, ass, brave, all of these things. And she's probably going to go stop it. And <laughs> I will right now. Today, our guest is Chris. You know her as K.Farrell13. She is an amazing person. She started as a runner. She is dealing with 
so many things, but she's hopefully getting them figured out. And we got to talk to her about so much around that, so much about her running. And um, this is uh, this is a good deep one for it sure. Is. I enjoyed I it, it a lot. I learned yeah. a lot. I like to learn. I know you like to learn. And I believe a lot of people listening to the podcast yes. are interested in educating themselves and learning as well. So I... No, we are both very thankful Absolutely. for her taking the time to share her story, which has been very challenging. Yeah. And I mean, immense kudos for, you know, just coming on and, and talking through all of it because mm-hmm. whoo, so there I've had my 60 seconds. Of, I gave you 60? I don't know. Kind of no. seemed like it, well. but um, <laughs> this is a good one, everybody. Thanks for coming along for all the episodes we've dropped up, dropped upon all of you. And uh, we hope you have a great run. Lace up the shoes, get ready to go, bring Chris and even me and Blair. We're yes. always ready to go on your run. So lace them up, get ready to go for your run. Let's go. Guys. Hello. Hello. I kept you in the lounge and then I just was like, <laughs> I'm just going to spring it on her out of nowhere. I don't get to stay in the lounge. What is this lounge you speak of? <laughs> it's the lounge where I often message people with, give me one minute oh, while I try I don't get to special messages. <laughs> You're just like, come on in. <laughs> Barge on in. Everything's fine. Fine. That's that's our saying today, Chris. Everything mm-hmm. is fine. It's fine. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I mean, I, there are worse sayings say. you could have. So. That's, that's true. That's true. It's very true. We're just gonna, not, the fire might be all around all of us, but we are fine. <laughs> we are totally forward. fine. I, uh, Yes, Sean's like got PTSD from a spider situation. He killed a spider right before we all jumped in. And so now if he keeps looking up to the ceiling. It's dead. It's dead. I just have to. You keep saying that, but yet you keep looking. But that doesn't mean you have to like, you know, keep looking. You got to make sure it's still dead. (laughs) That's what I think at least. You probably get a little bit of this because you're 6'1". I'm 6'7", 6'8", whatever. So we are the people that catch the cobwebs that other people don't <laughs> gather. So in my house, I was right before we got on, I was taking my dog out and the light and the doorway are just a little higher than me, but I caught a cobweb and I was like, it's mm-hmm. near. There's a, there's mm-hmm. one near. And right as <laughs> I let Blair. Yeah. 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 Right I, as I'm I let just Blair in. slightly taller than my husband too. So if there's one in the house, it's going to hit me, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's right. That was, Clay's just ducking down. He's like, he's got this. That was the a precursor. Was, yeah, the worst was, you know, like running or on a trail or a path oh. or whatever. And if it's early enough in the morning, no one's hit any spider webs awesome. with me. So I used to like, my sister-in-law is, I don't know, 5'2 or 5'3. Yeah. And she would run like before me. And I'd be like, come on, can't you just run through can your you arms run like up? this? Like a <laughs> Football stance running. (laughs) I would go out on like a bike trail too in the morning. I was doing long runs during marathon training on a bike trail. And I think even some of the people on bikes were going under and I was still (laughs) ducking on purpose. Still catching them. (laughs) Still catching them. Um, 
I will I will also lead with so I've talked to Blair plenty of times about um middle school and high school Sean was not much interested in education. So I will tell you that you're you're the first person in a long time that I I actually this afternoon sat down and said I have to re-educate. Now I've I've been for the last couple of days I've been trying to dabble in educating myself as well as I can to get to know there's a lot and I know you know that. But I just want to say you actually got me to sit down and be like I need to be studious and that is incredibly uncommon so I will I will give you the virtual iPod. I have to do it every day too. I'm sure you do, to be honest. I bet you're like, okay, I have no more letters available to research. Yeah, pretty much. Does does WebMD like reach out to you and be like, what's up? up?" Thank God, no. I think that would reach a whole new level of like, I wouldn't like my that. life is over. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't like any of that at all. No, no part of it would I be like, that's not something I'm striving to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also in my husband's office, so I don't really know what's behind me. So thankfully you're not posting this nope. Zoom. <laughs> no. Nope. I was like looking when I first got on, I was like, yeah, you can see our like junk corner and mm-hmm. I don't know what's over there, but I like shoved them. That's okay. I'm in, in the guest bedroom. This is the guest bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the closet. This is the only window. Cause I was like, oh, lighting. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise it's dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, you're, you're looking effectively at the maze that is my attempted office and uh i just keep piling my uh, eight-year-old lego sets behind me as i um continue being an eight-year-old so you have to do that i think yeah it's important yeah. i think so yeah. yes for the rest of us you have to build all the things that none of us got to do <laughs> yeah i actually like had to put one down i i get false ambitions i'm very good at i'm i'm, I'm fantastic actually at false ambitions of being like today's the day that i'll have time to sit down and like be a kid again for a couple of hours right. and then by 9 30 in the morning i realized that i'm an adult and life doesn't <laughs> allow that so yeah there, there was a lego set right here that i would like th- three days ago i was like today is the day and then for the next two days i was coming into my office going remember the other day when i was gonna do that so not happening Funny. not happening all right well I'm really, really glad that we got to talk to you today. You were, and a lot of the people we've talked to so far, I wanted to talk to because they were some of the first people that I kind of crossed paths with when I showed up onto Instagram as ambitious runner human. And um, you were doing all sorts of things. You were like, uh, and I, I found a lot of inspiration in you because I found another tall running human. <laughs> um, and that made me happy. Uh, as 26 Point Todd alludes to all the time, there's not many of us out there. And uh, so I was happy to discover you, discover Todd. I felt like I was amongst my my extra people. Runners are my people. <laughs> but, you know, then we're starting to get into the percentiles there. Um, so what is the backstory to the running part of, of your story, how did that get started? And I know you've 
we're getting really fast. And, you know, I know that you were running marathons and, and having some real success. So how did all that get started? Honestly, um, I was a volleyball player for most of my life. I mean, you know, I've been tall for forever, but um, <laughs> you couldn't pay me to run. I, in, you know, in middle school and high school, I did track, but I did high jump and hurdles because I was this tall. I, you know, anything that required real running, it, I had no interest in. Um, and honestly, after college or at the end of college, I, um, started like, I don't know. I was like, well, let's just see what a mile's like. Cause I certainly, you know, have been forced to do a mile for all of my life. Uh-huh. So let's just see what it's like trying, you know, whatever. Um, about that time, um, I met my now husband and he's this soccer player, always running, you know, one of those freaks of nature that uh-huh. doesn't have to train to be a ridiculously fast runner <laughs> or, you know, it's just natural. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we, we first met and I think, I don't know, probably a couple months into dating, he was like, yeah, do you want to run this 10K? So me being me was, you know, not going to say no. We just started dating. I wanted to be cool and like have something in common with them. Right. So I went from like, you know, being on the elliptical for cardio to suddenly training for a 10K. And then after that first 10K, which was amazing because it was in Richmond, which is where I'm from. It's it shuts down the city and mm-hmm. it's on Monument Avenue and there's these well, everybody knows of the monuments now for other reasons, but, um, you know, there's not an inch of the street that doesn't have a spectator. So it was so much fun. And just, you know, I had no idea what to expect. So after that first race, I was hooked, you know, and, um, I actually ran my first half marathon before he even ran a half marathon. So I (laughs) kind of dragged him along with me. Um, but you know, after that, I just, I still played volleyball for a little while when I lived in Richmond, but that's been eight years ago now. It's just been running since then. Um, Yeah. You you know, when I was younger, it was easier like running hurdles because I was so long that it didn't matter how slow I was because one step was like four (laughs) for someone else. It's Um, true. (laughs) But yeah, so I got into it thanks to him, Um, which, you know, I, it, it, it wasn't fair because he literally he's one of those people that before a half marathon will do like three runs longer than seven <laughs> miles and then goes and runs like a 133 or something oh my gosh so, yeah oh but, yeah yoy. that's rude it's just rude is what that is <laughs> I know and I was working my butt off you know yes, and trying so yes. hard and yes I'd have to run, you know, early before I got too tired or made up excuses. And he just, you know, one yeah. PM, he's like, well, I guess I'll go run 10. I don't know. So. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's that cheat code runner that, uh, I have a few friends that I talk to and they're always like, yeah, I think my significant other might run the race. You know, they really haven't done much and they can go out and run like a, like you said, like a one thirty or a one forty half. And you're like, Oh, so the six months of training is what their equivalent of just like a couple runs, tune it up. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's my husband, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Were you somebody in high school that was always attemptedly like being recruited to be in sports? 
Um, and then the second question is later in life, are you now the person that I, I get, I'm, I'm, uh, juxtaposing myself onto you here. If I, every time I'm someplace, um, I was just in a restaurant the other day and an older gentleman looked at me, he was sitting down and gets the, okay, so you were a football player, a basketball player, uh, a this and a that. Right. And I was like, I was, I was some of those things. Um, but yeah, I was pursued like crazy in high school to, um, I would throw football with my friends and the football coach of the high school one day walked up to me and said, go get your pads on trying to like fake me out. Like, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm a cross country runner. I'm not a foot. And he went, are, are you sure? And I was like, <laughs> Do you, I, I was, I was also the 170 pound dripping wet six, seven kids. So I would have been like, I think I would have imploded upon impact, but were, were you that way as well? Yeah, so I've been tall all of my life, and uh, I would, you know, in middle school, I tried basketball because I felt like I had to for being so tall. Uh -huh. um, my dad's six, my dad's six six, so you know he played basketball. My mom's pretty tall for a woman too, and I think she played as well. So I just felt like that was something I needed to at least do. It was the worst experience ever. I tried out for the middle school basketball team one day and never came back. <laughs> no interest in basketball, but yes. So me too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, you know, who sees me thinks, uh, you know, you play basketball. Some people guess volleyball, which those are the people that I really love. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, honestly, when I first started playing volleyball, a friend of mine who in high school, you know, was significantly shorter than me, dragged me to the open gym. And the high school volleyball coaches were there kind of running the open gym. And they basically said, yeah, tryouts are this week. Come on, you know, whatever. I had no idea how to play. Yeah, I was at that point too, where, you know, I could not connect my hand to a ball. I had no hand eye <laughs> coordination whatsoever. And for some reason they kept me on the team, I think in hopes that I would eventually figure it out, but just because <laughs> I was tall. Or but even yeah. pure intimidation. Or yeah, you just the, the middle blocker. Like you just stand at the net and you're like, come on. <laughs> I might trip over my own feet, but, but I'm I'll stand net. here. <laughs> but yeah, you know, all, all my life people guess, did you play basketball? You know, and there was one point in my life where I, you know, would get super irritated and couple times I would say, no, I was a horse jockey, you know, or I'm a jockey. And, I like you know, that a lot. <laughs> some people just go, oh, okay. Cause probably oh. I called it the wrong thing or other people would be like, all right, fine. Yeah. But yeah. It, yeah. But that's a brilliant response, by the way. I like that one a lot. You I have just, to use that I'm one. I'm putting Sean. that one in my back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a jockey actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Be at the next Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's either sports or the weather. They want to know how the weather is, and and oh, that joke again, huh? Yeah, I yeah. think that you and I should maybe have like a running competition for that one. I would imagine, but um, <laughs> always, and they always lead with you probably haven't heard this, which is of course I have. What are you talking about? Um, Absolutely, yep. Every time they think they're funny. But. Yes. So did you um? This will be my last of my, I'm with, I'm amongst tall friend questions. Um, <laughs> did you, so I know that women traditionally stop growing way earlier than guys do, but when did you stop growing? Cause I had a friend in kindergarten named Dana 
And for the first like two weeks, she was taller than me. And then she ended up being, I think, about six feet tall. But for a half a second, because, right, girls traditionally really go up until they're like 14 or 15 and then they slow down, whereas guys are 10 to 18 is when they kind of ascend. So my entire youngest life was every year I'd come back from summer break being like, is Dana taller? Did she do it? <laughs> Um, Shout out to Dana. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she's listening. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I was, I've always been head taller than everyone my entire life. Um, I would say probably in college, I stopped sort of growing and I was about six foot then. Um, yeah. I didn't like to admit that unless we were playing volleyball, you know, cause then it was fantastic to be yeah. however tall, but um, yeah, I, I never had a point where, you know, I, I grew really tall or really fast and then it just sort of slowed down. It was just pretty constant. Um, yeah. I'm sure my parents wondered if it was ever going to stop, but, you know, yeah. um, but I actually grew about a, a half an inch, um, after my two spinal fusions too. So, um, uh-huh. now that I can stand up straight and had that done, I can officially say I'm six foot one. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, my sisters like you were also both terrified of, and both of their husbands did end up being shorter than them. My sisters are each 5'11 and one is three years older than me and one is six years older than me. So my entire childhood life was spent, you know, with me listening to my sisters being very anxious about the concept of boys may never date them due to (laughs) just the imposing stature. And they still get to this day if they're going to a social gathering, you know, the please don't wear heels. It's already bad enough. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'm assuming flats are in your exceptional arsenal of shoes. Yeah. 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 Flats and tennis shoes for sure. I I, I used to love wearing heels when I did dress up, but I never worked in a field where I needed to. Sure. Um, And my husband didn't care or basically that was kind of a deciding thing. You know, if you're embarrassed that you're so much shorter than me when I have my heels on, see ya, you know, kind of thing. And no one really ever said that they were, but you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I've exhausted my my height. You've gotten all of your stuff of I tall have. people. I'm not. I'm only five eight. Only. Yeah. So I. I mean, I had. I played volleyball too. So that was definitely my like sport. My my love of sports came from there. Um, but I wasn't. <laughs> I only can relate to like my pants being a little bit shorter than I really like them to be. Um. But I feel like if we're tall, we wear those heels and we own them, right? Yeah, like absolutely. We can wear them and be whatever height. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> so you. I support to. that. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that. It point. did. Yeah. I agree with you. It did take. I think high school was definitely a no. But like when I got to college, I was like, you know, this is what it is, and we're gonna own it. And I want cute shoes with heels too. Exactly. <laughs> they don't make a yeah. ton of cute flats. <laughs> no. So you had mentioned about some spinal fusions, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about how um, some of the procedures and surgeries you've had have kind of, how do they started and impacted your running? Just so I'm not uh, sure everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. It's a long story. So buckle That's up. That's okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so I was actually running my fastest for me. Um, and, you know, 20, gosh, it feels like forever ago, but mm-hmm. it was 2017. Um, and 
I was working as um, a physical therapist assistant for home health. So I was driving to patients' houses and, you know, doing PT in their homes. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, I just had a massive disc herniation just from bending over and I picked up my laptop bag. Um, And that was it. You know, there wasn't anything glamorous, um, unfortunately, you know, at least a good story would be nice, but um, (laughs) it was such a big herniation. It was probably building and I had no idea, Um, but it ended up the, so in your spinal column, you know, there's all these nerves that run up and down your spine. And if a disc herniation or a disc bulge is big enough, it can press on nerves and Mm -hmm. cause issues downstream or down into your your legs and things like that. And, um, my first herniation was so big that I ended up not being able to lift um, my foot from it because it affected the nerves that lift your foot up. So you don't trip when you walk or lift your big toe. Um, so honestly, you know, when that first happened, I, I didn't have the foot drop is what it's called when you can't lift your foot. Um, that took a little bit to build up, but when I first hurt my back, I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of like got a little better, but not enough to where I could actually run. And by the time I got to see a specialist, I had surgery the next week. Wow. Um, and we thought that was it, you know, so right. we went in and cleaned up the disc herniation and awesome guy, great doctor, you know, really got things to happen fast and mm-hmm. um, wanted to make sure that I wouldn't lose the ability to lift my foot forever. Um, so after that, you know, thought things were going really well. Yep. And then uh, I re-herniated that same disc. So I had to have surgery again. Um, and then one month after that, we had to do my first spinal fusion. Um, so basically you have disc in between the vertebrae and your spine. Mm-hmm. And every time it herniates, it like it's like a jelly donut in a way. So every time it herniates, the jelly from inside basically squirts out. Um, if it does that enough, you're just kind of flat, you know, there's nothing left in there. And for me, we did um, a fusion, which uh, was, I thought the end of everything, you know? So yeah. um, it was five days in the hospital. He went in through basically my stomach, um, took out the herniated disc, went in a couple of days later for the second part of the surgery and put in basically a metal cage and a whole bunch of big screws to fuse the two levels of the spine together. Um, after that, I felt great. You know, like I, I had to wear this brace on my leg to lift my foot, mm-hmm. but I didn't care about that. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I was trying yeah. to get back to life and right. everything. So it was going really well. Um, I started to run again, you know, mm-hmm. slowly, all of us are stubborn after injuries. You know, you come sure back are. to things too soon, no matter yes. what. Yep. Um, so I didn't have a coach then, um, thankfully, because it was going to be a short-lived <laughs> spurt of running. But um, I, I think I had just gotten back to, you know, probably, you know, maybe running a couple miles, if that total. Mm-hmm. And then um, another disc in my spine right below the fusion ended up herniating. Mm. Um, it was also a big one. We did another fusion, another two part surgery. Um, and so that was pretty much all of 2018. Um, when you have spinal fusions, it depends on the doctor. Um, but you're not allowed to bend, twist, or lift anything over a gallon of milk 
for about three months. Mm-hmm. So there was no running at all. <laughs> no. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there, there was a lot of sitting on the couch and Netflix pretty much. Um, but, you know, with a good PT, you start to get back to movement once it's okay by the doctor and basically your spine is healing. Um, so it was a lot of hopeful moments of, okay, had another surgery. This really sucks, but I'm going to run again, you know, right. and I still had that brace on my leg at the time, which I just, whatever I can right. run with it. So who right. cares, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so in 2019, um, I got, you know, back to really moving, you know, it was good. I was back to running, not running like, you know, anything, probably more than a 5k. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I probably pushed it a couple times, you know, but, um, I started having issues again. Um, and basically the spine surgeon that did my first, gosh, uh, six surgeries for all the fusions and different things. Um, mm-hmm. one of the screws that he put in for the fusion, you know, it's a couple inches long, big deal. Uh, he put it in at a bad angle. So it was actually sticking through the vertebrae the way it shouldn't have been and hitting one of my nerves as it passed by. So a lot of drama kind of (laughs) happened. Apparently I wasn't the only one that this happened to. Um, I ended up with a new doctor and um, in 2019, we had to basically completely redo that spinal fusion um, because of this screw. Um, So Redoing spinal fusion means three more months of no bending, lifting, or twisting. Um, But, you know, after that, we thought, okay, this is it. (laughs) This is the final chapter. I'm finally (laughs) getting there. (laughs) Surprise. It wasn't it. No, it's not. You're right. Spoiler (laughs) alert. I know. 2019 was fantastic, though, because, you know, I really, I guess I got more involved on Instagram too, mm-hmm. and figuring out there was this whole running community on right. Instagram, you know, and met a lot of good friends and, you know, in real life, they've, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And, uh, so it was, it was awesome. You know, I was getting back to running. I signed up for every freaking race I could find, you know, cause I was feeling so good. I think I have figured out for the Richmond Marathon how many times you can defer before they say, no, we're just, (laughs) we're eating your money. That's too bad because I found that. (laughs) But um, 2019, actually, I um, started working with a coach because, again, you know, running was happening. This was going to be like my return to it all. So at that point, I'd had seven spinal surgeries and, you know, two fusions and, uh, I was rolling and my, well, I, I ran two 5Ks in 2019, so actual races, you know. Yep. And um, I went to Indy and it was kind of fun, you know, a, a McCurdy shakeout. Everyone's saying, okay, who's running what? And everyone raises their hand for the marathon or the half. And then uh, James McCurdy was like, okay, who's running the 5K? And, you know, yeah. I'm me. <laughs> it's me. I'm so excited. Eight-year-olds, you know, but um, it was so awesome, you know, and it was so great to get back to a race from 
2017. Yeah. Because right. there's nothing like a race. You know? Right. 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 Yeah. Um, it's one thing to just run, walk, and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So that was actually my last race I ever did. And I know everyone has their COVID, you know, no one race during 2020, really. Right. But right. Um, yeah. So things still kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> I had a couple solid months of running and right. feeling yeah. back, you know, and it, it was good. It was not, I was not satisfied, of course. So of course get, not. Get back to marathons and everything. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I, sorry. I, I, no, I, I have to, I want to ask because so in, in that point, you're, you're still pretty much really dialed in on its, its spinal issues and some nervous stuff. And I, I remember at that point, you were just looking for questions, but you were also incredibly positive, which I feel like for if it was me, I can find a lot of positivity. And I do recall you had one and then you had, like you said, the second one pretty <laughs> quickly. And then you were you had more issues. And I, I recall the photos with bolts and um just a lot of a lot of hardware in your hands from from surgeries and you uh, you would be constantly given this like three month hiatus again and again and again <laughs> and I would be like in my head I was always like well that's just like okay one time that's rough two times that's pretty rough three times, geez, a whiz. <laughs> and the dedication to come back and the dedication to do the core work and to do the same PT that you had done again and again and again, and then to rebuild. And I, I actually took a moment this morning just to kind of revisit that too, just to like, I, I vividly recall it, but what right? Instagram isn't, uh, some people do a really good job of like just the highlights. Some people do a great job of the low light. Some people mix it up. You were pretty real, but I also know, like you said, there were plenty of times where you were taking, you know, pretty big hiatuses because life had to happen and there wasn't much to report, <laughs> but how did you manage your day to day? What was your mental con construct construct as you were getting up and taking that thing bit by bit? Well, I mean, you know, like you said, there's a lot of just kind of highlights on Instagram. Um, and I think in in the beginning, it was just, you know, I, I just kept having hope that that was the last surgery. And that was yeah. it. And then because this new spine issue was fixed, everything was going to be so much better. I would be able to train the way I needed to or wanted to even. Um, but, you know, and I think anyone who goes through an injury or has a prolonged illness or anything, you have your good and bad days. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't yeah. matter. You know, you are not positive hundred percent of the time. And <laughs> trust me, my closest friends heard every bit of what I was thinking <laughs> and how negative it was, or, you know, or even just how jealous I would be of everyone else, of you know, going out and running and being able to. Right. And, you know, I think it's, it's something that you have to balance every day and every day can be different. And that's the like good and bad part about it. Um, even now, you know, I still struggle with all of those things. Um, but, 
you know, day to day. So I, I haven't actually been working since 2017, since my first surgery, because uh, physical therapy, you know, especially in the field or the setting I was in was with mm-hmm. mostly elderly in their homes. I was doing a lot of lifting or, right. you know, I was in charge of them not falling. Right. So um, at first, you know, it was, you know, when you're on vacation, the first half of vacation is wonderful. You are like, yeah, <laughs> right. home. this is awesome, you know, but, it, but it's completely different when you're hurting. Yeah. you know, where yeah. you are kind of enjoying it because you're home and you're in a spot that's comfortable. You know, you're the spot on the couch that's the most comfortable for you or so on and so forth. But, you know, I really, <laughs> a lot of Netflix, a lot of reading. I've tried God knows how many crafts and hobbies <laughs> and I hate them all. Like, yeah. I, just, yeah. I am not artistic. I don't enjoy, you know, creating things as bad as that sounds. I don't know. My whole life has been revolved around sports and being physically active. So it was a, you know, it was a big mental hit of, well, what do I fill my time with? Right. You know, um, my husband and I, we don't have kids. We have one very spoiled English bulldog. Yes, you um, do. <laughs> thank God. I love that bulldog. Yeah. Thankfully he's a bulldog because he just lays on the couch all day. <laughs> so, um, but no, I mean, really getting back to it, it's, what other choice do you have? Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, talking to, you know, a couple of friends that have gone through big health changes or, you know, gone through injuries, you know, people will say things like, oh, you know, you're so inspiring or you know, just different things. And it's like, well, what else was I going to do? You know, and mm-hmm. yeah, you, everyone, when you go through something hard, you have your days where you just wallow in it. Sure. And I think that's healthy. And that means you're human. I, I think agree. so too. Yeah. I think um, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay but to it, not be okay. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's not that it's cliche. I mean, it's the truth. And, you know, there's so much, I guess, fake positivity and everything that it's hard to kind of wade between, especially on social media. But, you know, I, I've had the best support system of my friends and, you know, just family and extended friends that I haven't met in real life, just through, you know, communities of running and now, you know, spinal fusion stuff. And even further now the chronic illness world. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you can't get through day to day without that. So. Yeah. I've, I've been doing, I've been listening to a lot of various um, kind of conversations and podcasts just about, you know, the role that, technology has played in society and how it's really changed how humans kind of function because we all uh, you know the human race tended to be very good at 75 to 100 people in your life before you had a phone or a screen to go way outside of the people directly in your community and i think that instagram is oddly one of the social networks that manages to find the positive and find the, um, you know, humanity of people better than a lot of the other social media accounts. Um, but it's, I think it's because you end up, it's a positive community just to start, but you end up curating a relatively manageable list of people that, you know, I, 
I've used the term like I found my people, but there's a lot of people I love on Instagram, but you you can only hold so many kind of in your your bag before you're overwhelmed. But I think that's one of the unique things that Instagram allows for is you can kind of have that feeling of community, even though it's this incredibly different community than people in general have been connected to before. Yeah. And it's um it's 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 a nice it's a nice change of pace from I didn't use Instagram much until I started running and I would be on Facebook and Twitter and some other things that would spring up. And then you start, I, I think it's especially important when you find a thing and then Instagram, you know, really exposes that for you and makes it even more engaging. Um, but through all of that, I think that's amazing that everything you said is incredibly valuable because that entire thing of, I have plenty of days where I used to be really hard on myself about everything, but now some days I'm just like, I am going to lay in bed for an hour today and I have to be okay with that because some days just getting started can be tough and that's fine. But the graciousness in that is incredibly important. And I, I the thing I've wondered so much as I've watched everything with you unfold is so running was a real big driver to kind of athleticism was a big driver for you to continue getting back, getting back, getting back. And, um, I know we're going to talk about, and I want to make, I'm looking to my left over here for my acronyms, my EDS and my, <laughs> my POTS. And I know you've got a lot of acronyms that you're juggling, but what role did that because I know at some point, right? You, and I remember you struggling with that a lot of, am I, I guess I'm not a runner anymore. And then, you know, I was really, really happy. It made my heart really happy when you posted on Global Running Day that like once a runner, always a runner. And I'm really happy that it seems like that was able to kind of be a full circle thing for you because I know that you, you juggled that a lot. Oh, yeah. um, but I think, you know, there's real passion and energy from your athleticism was the thing that was driving you to find a lot of these answers and keep pushing. And, and how did that then translate when running stopped being the thing? And then it was just trying to take these hits and try to come, come on, come back from something because you seemingly will have you know, an ER episode or something. And then three days later, I see you like side planking and I'm just like, <laughs> like, it just makes me want to stand up and like scream and raw energy and passion of like, this, like just, you know, if that's not inspiring for other people, um, it is for me. And so how did that all kind of traverse once the athleticism part stopped being the driver and you then had to like find new motivators as these other things came up? You know, I think that's something that I still am trying to figure out the right balance of now. Mm -hmm. um, because like you said, you know, sports and athleticism and running and everything was such a big part of who I was. You know, I worked in physical therapy, so it was, I was active. That's what I enjoyed. And that's what, you know, made the most sense to me. Um, in our free time, you know, it was going to the gym or going for a run. And, and, you know, all of us know how nice it is on a long run, just that yeah. 
you know, that time to yourself sort of thing. And it makes, it's what makes you feel good for me. You know, it was what also helped kind of guide me for what I ate and, you know, everything that I did kind of revolved around running and, um, yeah, you know, so in 2020 things kind of started getting even more kind of weird with my health. And I started having these, um, basically, um, these, uh, the nerves in my legs were being pinched and we thought it was coming from the back kind of like, you know, as I described earlier, if a disc really sticks out, it can press yeah. on nerves. And through this weird sort of process, we figured out that just the nerves in my legs were being squeezed like tourniquets throughout the legs. And we didn't know what was happening. Um, but I still, you know, went back to running of this is my goal this is right this is what i do that makes me happy mm-hmm. and makes me feel good and it's a challenge you know i'm not bored with this ever because right. every day is different with a run mm-hmm. you know even if it's the same workout you've done before or anything like that it's never the same experience um but you know as things kind of started getting more and more weird um you know it came to the point when finally one of my spine doctors was like, none of this is normal. You shouldn't have such progressive degenerative disc disease right. all yeah. throughout your spine. Right. No, no one has these nerve palsies basically in your legs, ex- except maybe people who had, you know, total knee replacements or really old people, you know, and, so then we started looking further and through all of that, I still tried to get back to running. Um, and that's when we started doing some sort of genetic testing and sort of figuring out, okay, we have to look broader, right. which was really interesting too, because it was a spine doctor that did it, not, you know, your primary care or, you know, anything else that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we figured out that I have um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome Um And kind of, you know, once we figured that out, that was kind of the, not the beginning of the end, but it really was for running. Um, So Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is, it's basically a genetic disorder where, you know, there's a gene mutation somewhere along the line. And it basically causes your body to make faulty collagen which is a protein that makes up connective tissue. So it's a connective tissue disease, basically. Um, With spinal fusions in general, for anyone that has spine issues, um, high impact exercise is not really recommended (laughs) at all. (laughs) You've changed the shock absorber, so. (laughs) It really, you know, me and my doctors, butt heads a lot about running, but I was pretty much just like, I'm going to do it, you know, Right. as the spine issues kind of kept compounding before we really put all the puzzle pieces together. You know, I even found out that I could qualify for Boston under a certain, you know, not just the general race, but um, because of my foot drop and the spine issues that I had and you know, I, t- I had all paperwork ready. I just had to run a marathon and such and such time, which was different, thankfully, than the normal qualifying for Boston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I just fought it forever. I don't know if, you know, maybe that's why we got an English bulldog for how stubborn they are. And obviously, <laughs> I am too. but, um, 
you know, so I've fought it for very long of, you know, people can get, I want to be the exception to the rule was basically what it came down to, you know, for uh, running and spine issues. But as soon as we, you know, did the testing and found out that I had Ehlers-Danlos, we kind of pieced it together that, um, so connective tissues everywhere in your body. It helps make up the disc right. in your spine. Um, it's your heart valves, it's your skin, ligaments, tendons, you know, it right. even affects your eyes and your teeth and gums. Like, right. um, basically it, you know, it's what holds organs in the right in spots and what, right. yeah, and yeah. what keeps your joints in place. So yes. it's everywhere, even fascia, you know? Um, so once we sort of figured that out, it was like, Ehlers-Danlos is making all of the discs in my spine break down faster than they should. Mm -hmm. um, and as this is actually progressed, even the ligaments that hold the disc in place or connect different vertebrae, all of those are affected. And for me, it basically means they're getting out faster. They're tearing. There's no support to your spine. Um, so once I got the Ehlers-Danlos diagnosis, it was... You know, I, I finally was like, okay, you guys win. You know, yeah, I, I, right. it's just going to break things down so fast. Right. And yeah. um, so, you know, I have days where, you know, my dog decides he wants to run 10 feet. I'm definitely going to do it with him. <laughs> oh, he doesn't run far, which is a nice thing. But it's, you know, it's something that I've kind of battled of, well, what am I now? You know, right. what's running was who I was. So mm -hmm. I'm not working, not exercising the way I even want to. Right. Now what? Like, yeah. what does this mean for me? So, you know, it's, and, and this kind of goes back to, you know, day to day. You feel so differently about these things day to day. One day you're like, yeah, I'm going to do Pilates. I'm going to do all the side planks. I'm, this is going to be my thing. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. right. Pilates can be great. Or, let me try swimming. Swimming is not my thing. I found that out very fast. But you know, swimming is not my thing. <laughs> for, for a long time, you know, it's been trying to figure out the new me. Mm -hmm. And as lame as that sounds, you know, I I have to have something that challenges me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, running was always that. And I think, you know, in in 2020, I had five surgeries and. Yeah. I, the last solid mile that I ran, you know, without trying to run, walk or whatever was over a year ago. Um, and you know, it's, it's tough, but yeah. there's so many things that running taught me mm -hmm. or helped me to kind of deal with all of this that, you know, I miss it more than anything, but I can do it if I'm being chased. <laughs> like it's, it's not literally gone. I might pass out now or, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I was talking to um, Angie about this because um, a lot of you guys know her um, too, because her, her breast cancer that she's been right. dealing yeah. with. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's just when you're a runner, I think that, you learn how to be like comfortable, not being comfortable right. and like pushing it, or you are very aware of everything that's happening with your body, but you get to be very good at just kind of 
glazing over it. Like, yes. Well, yeah. I have four more miles to get through, and yeah, I feel this little like tweak or this, you know, something mm-hmm. doesn't feel right, but okay, I can do four miles. So you yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, it's it's different. Even with talking with Angie, it's just been, you know, you, you learn to look at pain differently or how mm-hmm. you kind of um, com- compartmentalize it. Right. Um, and you kind of learn that that's, you know, with running any distance or any workout, you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's not like right. a walk in the park and the most fun feeling, but it is when you're done. Right. Uh, um, so I think that, right. you know, running has really helped kind of me deal with now 13 surgeries and, you know, cry pain and issues of, you know, it's not running, but I kind of know how to, how to handle it in a way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You definitely have a lot of grit and perseverance for being able to confront these challenges, you know, (laughs) like, I think that that's definitely a, a big takeaway for, for anybody listening is that, um, there are skills that you learn and as a runner that can be applied like later on in all the challenges that you face. And I know you had mentioned that if you run, you might pass out. So I know that there's <laughs> another one more, just one more yeah. diagnosis that you're yeah. also trying to. There's a few more, but the other big one. Yeah. Yes. Saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in 2020, like I said, I, I had five surgeries because, um, I ended up having another spine surgery and then um, four pretty major leg surgeries because of Ehlers-Danlos. The nerves were basically being squeezed by fascia um, and like connective tissue throughout my legs. Um, So I got really kind of deconditioned, you know, what what are you going to do when your legs and back have been cut through so many times? Right. right. Um, And, you know, for a while, it's kind of started this time last year, you know, maybe a little bit later, I was just really out of breath all the time mm-hmm. or like going up the stairs, you know, cause you still wear your garment, whether you run or not, um, <laughs> <laughs> or at least a lot of us do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd go up the stairs and I'd be like, man, my heart rate is like 140. And then look at my husband and be like, where's yours at? You know? And he'd be like, 86 or you know right yeah. still yeah. he's still the freak of nature you know fitness wise, but, um, <laughs> yeah, he's like 42 <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know so the first kind of couple months of that I was exhausted all the time I had these weird headaches um you know how sometimes when you when you stand up it's almost like you say you stand up too fast and yes. get dizzy yes. yes so it was like that but it was all day and it was just you know I really just thought I was gaining weight, getting out of shape and sitting on the couch too much. Right. I mean, what else could it have been? Right. Is kind of what I was thinking. Um, and then after my fifth surgery, um, so the end of October, things were bad. You know, it was like having bouts of vertigo, which if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's it literally is like you're drunk. You don't know which way is up. You feel like you're constantly spinning and it can make you really sick. Um, I ended up having a post-op infection, um, in my leg. So all of my leg basically got infected and I ended up in the ER on, um, antibiotics through the IV and things just kept going downhill. Um, so in December of last year, I ended up in the hospital with chest pain. I had a hard time breathing. 
and my heart rate was out of control. We just couldn't figure it out. Um, and that's when they kept me overnight and did a whole bunch of testing and, and they found um, one of the valves in my heart um, is basically, it's valves in your heart kind of separate two chambers and they're supposed to close all the way so that blood doesn't flow backwards and you know it keeps the system going. Yeah. They found that one of my heart valves isn't closing properly and so blood is kind of leaking backwards through it. And at first I thought, oh, that's it, you know, and right. and that's from Ehlers-Danlos syndrome because the valves in your heart are made of connective tissue. So it's already going salty. Um, but we also did something called a tilt table test and I mm -hmm. did all this heart monitoring and we found that I have um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is short. It's called POTS which is yeah. really classy, you know, yeah. if you type it on Instagram, you get lots of pictures of plants. I'm <laughs> sure you do. I'm but, sure um, you do. But basically it, it's, POTS is a form of dysautonomia, which is um, an, a malfunction of the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system is um, basically, it, it controls things that we don't think about, mm -hmm. like your heart rate, um, breathing, digestion, uh, blood is, pressure. This is what I learned a lot about the last three days. I was like, wow, your body does way more than I thought it did. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me happy because I really felt like lately, and I don't know why, I just, it, I worked in the medical field and I thought I knew what POTS was. Right. But uh -huh. I had no idea, you right. know? And yeah. I'm 34 now. Like this normally happens to like, 15 year old girls, you know, but yeah. basically it's POTS is a malfunction of the autonomic nervous system. Um, how it's kind of classified is it, it's almost like when your body's going from like laying to sitting to standing, your body doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. It, it acts in different ways. It can mess with so much. Um, and POTS basically is diagnosed mostly with a tilt table test, but it's when your heart rate goes more than 30 beats per minute faster, just from changing position from laying down to even seated or to standing, or if um, your heart rate goes over 120 uh, beats per minute, both of those things within 10 minutes of standing. So just being upright, not doing anything, yeah. just standing. Yeah. Um, I, I think on my tilt table test, I had no idea what was going to happen. You're literally strapped in at your chest and your legs and you're hooked up to all these things. And, um, you know, they tilt you up at this angle and the woman's just like, how are you feeling? You know, so I'm good. I've been in the hospital all night. You know? yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. And then suddenly it was just, you know, everything felt weird. It, I felt nauseous and my heart rate, I think was 166 within a couple of minutes wow. just of being tilted upright. Um, yeah. And so POTS, it, it's, we're learning more and more about it. A lot of people who um, got sick with COVID are actually coming down with POTS after or long COVID. Um, yeah. So there's been more and more money thrown into research for it, mm -hmm. thankfully. Right. For me, but not for yes. other people having to deal with it. But I mean, it comes from a whole bunch of different things. Um, for some people, it just comes from being de deconditioned, like after an infection or after a surgery, which at first I thought maybe that was just me, you know, because I had so many. Um, 
It can happen after infection, after trauma, if you have other conditions. I mean, even diabetes can cause this or, you know, God, there, there's so many. <laughs> um, they think sometimes autoimmune diseases can yeah. cause it where, you know, you have no control over that. Right. Um, yeah. It's it's just kind of weird. You know, yeah. they're still figuring it out, but they have figured out that, you know, there's different types of POTS. Like you're not sure exactly how everybody gets it, but for some people it's, you know, you actually don't have a lot of blood volume within your body at all. Um, so, you know, one of the treatments is to try to promote that with more salt, more fluids, you right, know, everything like right. that. Um, you know, there's neuropathic ways, autoimmune, there's just different chemicals in your body that tell your autonomic nervous system to do certain things when you, when it shouldn't <laughs> basically. Yeah, right. Right. Um, so it's, it's been a battle for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm so thankful that you um, are sharing your story because I really hope that it is able to reach out to some people and just create mm -hmm. an awareness and an understanding. Um, you know, I know one of the things that you do talk about is that like, you don't look sick, you know? And so right. exactly. that I, I hope that that is something that everyone also can take away is that we cannot obviously judge anybody's like skill or feeling based on just an outward look. Um, right. So I, yeah, I admire you and you're, you are doing great. And I know you feel like in this moment of the season of life is like, who am I? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? But I feel like all this knowledge, I mean, listen to how much you were able to explain, like yeah. all this knowledge yeah. that you've gained as a result of your journey. I feel like there is good that's coming from that in the way that you're connecting with other people and also educating us on the different things yeah. that are, are out there. I, I want to chime on that before <laughs> this too, that I, I much like I was really happy when you posted on global running day, I've also been really, I know excited is not the word that you want to associate to it, but that you've been energized to some extent to get that information out and mm -hmm. to, I, I am 100% sure that ownership of that is just garbage. I, I mean, I'm positive, but the fact that you are strong enough and courageous enough to just, I, I have learned through the last few years of trying to get better at being myself that sometimes saying the words can be the hardest thing, but then the strongest thing once you get better at it, and I'm trying to get better at it all the time, but that was another thing that, um, at the very least I found happiness in for you that, uh, you know, cause as you were fighting through, am I a runner? I, maybe I'm not, what is this? And then you, you go through these seasons and then you're starting to come. And I mean, this is me literally a hundred thousand feet above watching, you know, everything <laughs> you've gone through, but I, <sighs> I know there's so much to digest and that you're digesting seemingly tons all the time, but from a very, very, very distant take, and this is just my take is you were, you were, I, I, I watched you really trying to digest what was a very dark season whenever you were like, I don't know what I am. And from my view, you're now being like, I am this and I am stronger because of this. And I am willing to be boisterous because of this. And 
that ownership is incredible power. And I hope that you are present with where you are in that, at least from maybe the outside perspective, like there at least feels like there's a, a second season of this is, you know, my journey and I'm going to own it and I'm going to share it. And there's, there's incredible power in that. So. I appreciate you guys saying that because that has been something I've really struggled with of, you know, what, who am I now? Yeah. I don't even know, you know, when and if I can go back to work and what I'm going to be able to do. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it's, it's really been a loss of identity and, you know, there's a lot of people that go through that for various reasons, but, you know, for me, it's, it's almost felt like I thought that for so long. And after each surgery, I thought, well, just kidding. I don't need to figure out something else. Yet. <laughs> right. But, you know, lately I really have felt like, not that it's my job to educate people, but, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's important to me mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, I really thought I knew what this stuff was. And I mean, even I thought I knew what back pain would be like or spinal fusions when I was treating patients with those, right. you know, it's, it's, it for anybody and for any situations, it's completely different once you actually experience it, mm-hmm. you know, but I think I've just felt this really strong pull to try to educate and try to get the word out of what this is actually like, what is it to begin yeah. with? Right. Yeah. And what is it like to have other standlows? and POTS and a heart condition and then an allergy issue, you know, yeah. there's so many moving parts, but what does that actually look like in real life? You know, right. it's, it's kind of like when you're in school or in college, you see something, you learn something on paper, but the actual presentation of what that is, is nothing like what you thought you understood it to be. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's even something that I almost surprise myself with every day of, you know, especially on Instagram, I'll post things of, you know, my heart rate for whatever I happen to be doing. And, you know, I'm not necessarily looking for people to say, oh, wow, oh my gosh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's more just of, I have days where I can function pretty fine or maybe not fine, but normal as much Mm -hmm. as my normal in quotes is. But then I have days where, you know, just taking a shower, my heart rate hits 200. Just standing still using my arms to wash my hair is, and I'm not exaggerating, it'll hit 200. So, you you know, it's, it's something that I'm still learning details about. It's something that, you know, researchers are still learning Mm -hmm. more and more about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is nice because it's almost my new challenge Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. Yeah, trying yeah. to keep up with all of this and dealing with it, which is challenging enough. <laughs> right, right. But um, I've really been kind of looking more into advocacy and mm-hmm. I've had a good Eller Stanlos friend I've actually met through Instagram who has been just amazing and helpful with that because, you know, I thought I understood what this stuff was. Right. And both of these Eller Stanlos and Potts they're, they're spectrum disorders. Right. They're, I mean, Ehlers-Danlos, there's 13 different types of it. It can be as mild as someone who's just really flexible and that's right. all they ever think of and they have no problems. And then it can be someone who can hardly function. It's not affecting their joints to where they're hypermobile. It's affecting their heart or their eyes or yeah. their organs. You know, a lot of people with Ehlers-Danlos have GI issues with their Mm -hmm. stomach where they can't actually eat because their Mm -hmm. stomach can't process food because of the connective tissue issues with it. 
And that's not what I learned in school. No. Right. You know, right. and um, same with pots. It's it's a wide spectrum where, you know, it it impacts everyone differently for the symptoms that they have. And so, you know, it makes it really individualized and kind of unpredictable as well as, you know, dynamic. Like I have days where, you know, my heart rate, when I stand up, it's about 120 and it's, I'm, I'm not dizzy. I'm just kind of, you know, going about my day and I just get tired. Yeah. And then there's other days where, just lifting your head up off the couch, you immediately, you know, things are a nightmare. So, but yeah, just trying to spread the word, I think is what has been really fulfilling to me as well as challenging because I'm still figuring out what the heck is happening. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, um, do you have a visit coming up to the Mayo Clinic soon, right? I do. So mm-hmm. can you give me shed a little bit of light? I know that there's a lot of, um, again, excitement, not the right word for this, but there's some excitement from your, your perspective about going to Mayo because that I think, again, I, I really did. I tried to learn as much. And I, I know that there's like, so and that many makes me parts. so happy. <laughs> there's so many moving parts to both of these things with both EDS and pots. There's so many just incredibly vast moving parts. So what, what is it about this? I, Cause I mean, I know obviously Mayo is world renowned. What is, what, what are the expectations for that? What, you know, I, I've, I've been seeing that there's, you know, from your perspective, a lot of positivity about that coming up. So what about all of that is, um, you know, exciting and what are you, optimistically what's coming out of that. I, I, I mean, from my perspective, I interpret it as there's some actual foundational diagnoses, things that can come from this and then optimistically answers. And I am somebody that when I don't, even as trivial as something in my day-to-day life for my job, if, if I am an answers driven human and when I don't <laughs> have answers, nothing I, I will burn, I will burn things to the ground. We're until learning the to not control the things we can't control. Yeah. <laughs> so I, can you, can you walk us through a little bit of that? Cause I know that you've been talking a lot about that and I I've been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I need answers and I need them now. It's kind of, yeah. I'm probably most doctor's worst patient because I would be, <laughs> I will give you the most polite harassment you will ever like deal with. Um, You know, I've got a lot of time on my hands too, which is not fair to different doctors, but um, so where, where I live is kind of a rural area where, you know, we have great doctors here, but they're not specialists for what I need. Um, And, you know, when all of this first started, um, I mean, even my spine doctors aren't here. They're in Washington, DC. Um, so, you know, that's a big step up, (laughs) but, um, you know, the cardiology department here has been great because they helped get me my initial diagnosis of, um, POTS and they figured out the heart valve issue that I have. Um, and so, you know, I'm grateful for that, but the treatment that was given to me was, um, wearing compression stockings or compression sleeves. It helps push blood, blood like back up to your body. So that decreases the load on the heart basically. So 
it, it tries to help lower your heart rate when you're upright. For me, for pots at least, you know. Yeah. Um, which from running, I have more compression socks than <laughs> probably the typical pots patient. Yes. Sure. Um, but you know, I they told me to buy, you know, thigh high right. compressions, um, abdominal compressions, you know, stuff like that. Um, and they want you to drink, they told me two to three liters of Lots water of a water. day. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big key, which seems almost opposite for a heart issue in a way, or an autonomic nervous system issue is you have to take in, and this is true throughout the board, but basically the doctor in uh, where I live, you know, only knows the bare minimum, kind of what like you learned in school on paper. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, but they recommend you take in five to 10 grams of salt a day, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a lot, but like if you guys it's are familiar lot. with like new tablets, uh-huh. you know, a, a lot of electrolyte drinks, they only have like 250 milligrams or, you know, maybe 500 milligrams. So half a gram of yeah. salt, 90, 10. Well, um, and it, admittedly, when I read that part too, my, mm-hmm. my mind jokingly was like, you know, um, do you like like chips and queso or chips and guac or anything? Like <laughs> oh that? yeah. Sometimes you go to a Mexican. Who doesn't. <laughs> I respect that. Um, <laughs> You know how sometimes you get the chip that's just been glazed in salt. Uh, like those it's are my glistening? favorite. I see well, those out. I'm like, where are they? I, I thought to myself, <laughs> I thought to myself, if nothing else, Chris can like, hey, get go get your saltiest chips and bring exactly. them to me. Um, it's 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 been nice when I'm like, you know, you're trying to eat healthy, especially when you're home all day or you can't really exercise. Right. But it's like. No, I can eat all the pretzels <laughs> I want. Or, you know, I, I take I take salt tablets every day. I, I drink something called liquid IV, which is mm-hmm. like yeah. noon, yeah. but it has more, it's it's not designed for running. You know, it has right. more salt than noon does and just different stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, salt is key, which you know is not very fun. I wish it was sugar or ice cream. Or sure, sure. <laughs> Chris yeah, loves cookies. cookies. Yeah. I, I am a walking she cookie a, monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so, you know, with Mayo Clinic, so the doctor here isn't a specialist in POTS or there is no Ehlers-Danlos specialist anywhere near where I live. Sure. They're all in D.C. Um, and there's only two um, in all of D.C. <laughs> um, there's a specialist that, you know, is has an eight month wait list or, you know, things like that, where it's just, yeah, it's hard because, because what I have is so individualized. And like I said, it's a spectrum disorder that different treatment options can help some people and not help others or make them worse. And there's a couple different types of medicine that you can take for POTS. Um, you know, there's beta blockers, there's something called Florineth and another medicine called Minadrin, but it can affect your blood pressure differently and your heart rate. So it's so different. And none of these medicines have helped me. Um, I'm doing everything all the doctors say of, you know, compression and salt and fluids and blah, blah, blah. That's just ingrained in me. Um, I've even tried, there's an exercise protocol to try to get you back, um, you know, so you're not as deconditioned. And so that you're, it's almost like you retrain your autonomic nervous system to okay. respond appropriately when you change from laying down the seat at the standing or anything like that. Um, it's a six month long exercise protocol. And literally the last two months are you 
walking or running or being upright. It's yeah. everything starts supine or laying down. And then you work to seated biking and not even upright bike. Heaven forbid that, you know, it's, it right. all changes your everything, but it hasn't helped me either. It did get me moving a little bit more, but I, I mean, yeah. you know, every time I stand, if I hit 150 all day long, right. You know, it's not really helping. No. So, um, my, uh, one of my cardiologists is an electrophysiologist basically mm-hmm. can do a surgery to the heart, which, um, it's called SA node ablation, which helps mm-hmm. try to re basically get rid of the high heart rate. Right. Um, but it doesn't work for everyone. It works for probably a third of the people that they have it done. If, if it's just for POTS, if you have yeah. other heart stuff, it might be what helps. So, you know, nothing has really made a difference. And I started looking for, you know, pot specific clinics where that's all they deal with. There's like five in yeah, all yeah. of the U S you know, um, John Hopkins has a program, which is out of Baltimore. And I got into that and some of them pick and choose which patients they want to see. Oh, if yeah. you're not, you know, I don't know if it's, you're not interesting enough or you're not going to help the research they're doing or, they're just really busy. They might not even select you. So I got into John Hopkins, but that's not until March of 2022. Wow. So I just, you know, I applied to Mayo, Mayo Clinic just because it was like, why, not? why would they pick me? You know, yeah. like, yeah, I'm just like the rest of the people with POTS, you know, again, it all varies, but there are people who have POTS and they have so many other chronic conditions that I don't, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm the worst of the worst, as bad as that is to say, why would they pick me kind of thing. Um, so I applied to Mayo Clinic and they selected me. And what I'm excited about is that they treat patients very differently than a normal clinic. Um, it's a team approach. Mm-hmm. It's not just when you go, you don't just see a neurologist. And they treat you the way a neurologist would treat you and you move on, which is the kind of treatment I've been getting. You'll see a neurologist for POTS. They have a dysautonomia, which is um, POTS falls under that branch um, or umbrella term. Um, You'll see a neurologist. You'll see cardiology. If you've got other issues like Ehlers-Danlos, you might get genetic testing, check for autoimmune diseases. Um, you know, I'm going to end up seeing a GI specialist for issues I'm having too. It's just, it's all connected. Yeah. The body is amazing because, you know, it, everything works so well together, but as soon as one little thing goes wrong, it affects every part of you. And I think yeah. that a lot of, you know, medicine are, a lot of doctors look at the body is what they specialize in. That's mm-hmm. their scope. But at Mayo Clinic, they all work together or they're taught to look broader than just their scope and what they're really good at. Um, so it's a huge deal. You know, they're the top researchers, the top hospital. And um, when I go, I'm going to be there for over a week and it's going to be. That was my next question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lots yeah. of testing, um, you know, to make sure we're not missing anything else. I've had Ehlers-Danlos my whole life. It's a genetic condition. But I just always blame playing sports for my other injuries, right. you know, and 
I mean, I always had an excuse until suddenly things really yeah. started breaking down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of testing and then I'm hoping, you know, my expectation of it is for a treatment plan that is individualized to me mm-hmm. and my best chance at getting healthier mm-hmm. and feeling better and trying to have a normal life again, right. or go back to whatever, you know, a stable sort of pattern versus right. awful days, meh kind of days. And then, okay, I'm moving today. You know, it, it's, it, it's hard when you don't know what to expect day to day. And I'm hoping Mayo Clinic will make things more, you know, stable. Mm-hmm. It's not completely better, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take stability and constancy. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get rid of all of this. That would be great, but right. there is no cure for Ehlers-Danlos no, or, right. you know, in POTS. It's, yeah. it, it, it's something you have to learn to deal with every day. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I was thinking while you were talking through that, that I'm sure that uh, I laughed whenever, you know, I, like you, I, I search and search for answers and on a, an infinitely tinier scale, like when I am dealing with just like a nagging running injury and I go to a PT, I often now preface like, okay, I know that you're the PT and I know that you know <laughs> all the things, but I, I always come in with seemingly, I've written a small novel on my problems <laughs> and I think I have the answers. Um, and I'm seeing a PT right now for, for some things that, you know, seemingly I brought on because of runner's brain, but when I come in anymore, the PT just looks at me and goes, okay, go through your diet, like go through your diatribe for me of what it is that you're dealing. Cause she would ask me a question and I would give her a seven minute answer. Um, but my hope for you is I, I know, you know, now that I, I had a hunch that that was kind of the same thing for you, but, um, hearing you talk through that, I mean, I think the the good thing is that you'll be able to kind of bring your book to Mayo and they'll probably open that book and actually try to approach it from the sense of it's your body, you know, what's going on. And, um, I can only keep all things that I can cross cross for you. And I hope that, um, I, I, it's almost, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it as like your Mayo Clinic summer camp of sorts. That you will, um, hey, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for it too. You know, that you have yeah. a coordinated care plan, you know, like team that kind of look at the whole person, not just the parts of it, but the whole person and how that yeah. all interacts together. And so I'm hopeful for some answers for you too. And a plan, Absolutely. a good plan. <laughs> Thank you yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All yeah. this I, feels so far away. <laughs> yes, but it's so close. It's really it close. Is. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Well, I want to say a, a very big thank you for talking to us because, um, ad- I mean, admittedly, I, I mean, I was trying to put myself in your shoes. I'm one of those people a lot of people often say walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And I'm usually the type of person that goes, I'm going to put myself in those shoes because I want to try to acclimate myself. And, um, I, I, I was thinking through it and I was just, you know, like I said, the, the things that you've been able to post in the last couple of weeks have made me feel, you know, a little more positive about it, but I'm sure that, um, if I was, you know, 
I've come back to running. I was like you running did not appeal to me as a kid. I did it. It wasn't great. But then I found it as an adult and it was the spark that lit a bunch of other things. And if you were to put me into 20% of the hurdles that you've been put out in front of you and then have someone say, would you like to come talk about that and, and then the 50 other you, things yeah. <laughs> I, I, I to, to myself just was like, yeah, that would take me a minute to, to digest and think, uh, you know, depending on where I'm at and how I'm doing. Um, so I, I sincerely appreciate you being as open as you have been. And, um, I appreciate what you, you know, sent us last night as far as like, I, I will, you know, ask me anything because, um, it's, you know, that takes, uh, I, I know that you said earlier, you know, it, there's always people like, oh, you're in it, but there's just courage and power to being like, I'm going to own this thing and I, I can talk about it. And it's, it, you know, um, it is what it is. So I wanted to say thank you and just incredibly much for, for coming on, talking through all these things and, and sharing this stuff. And I hope that uh, there's two things I have in here. One is awareness, awareness, awareness. And then my two brighter, goofy part, because that's, I try to at least put sugar on everything to some extent. But <laughs> if anyone out there is in med school and you need a specialty, it's pretty damn evident that there are a need for these types of doctors. If for nothing else than the fact that you've been able to say the waiting list for all of these places is arguably more difficult than getting into Boston or Berlin or anywhere else as far as marathons go. So if you're a med student, let's go. <laughs> um, but I, again, well, look you. at the trends if you're in med school, especially yeah. after COVID. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, I, I appreciate you guys saying that. And for having me on, um, you know, like I said, I, I, my kind of push right now is awareness. And, you know, if anyone, you know, has questions or anything, I mean, please don't hesitate to reach out. I might not know them all. I'm not a doctor. I'm still learning as I go. You know, I might've even not described something accurately earlier. You know, I might've gotten one little thing wrong, but, sure. you know, it's something I'm learning and I want people to learn with me and mm -hmm. be aware of it. And, you know, like you said, Blair, it's, it's, you, you might not look sick or someone, you know, we all know someone might look fine, but you don't know what they're dealing with, but right. um, yeah. right. ask me questions. You know, I love it. I want to spread the word. So I appreciate you guys letting me do this too. No, 100%. I appreciate it. Just from a personal perspective, I've talked to Chris about it, but my niece has EDS and POTS. So I appreciate you just explaining it even further so that I can, <laughs> mm -hmm. I can be there and be supportive to my family. So thank you so much. Yeah. Got it. And uh, yeah, Blair and I um, will in great spirit be traveling with you to Mayo, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> and um, we I'll are keep you all posted. <laughs> both keeping our fingers and toes and everything incredibly crossed very tightly. And we hope that um, you can get some answers and find some progress. And uh, at least like you said, be able to establish whatever normal looks like moving forward so mm -hmm. thank you guys yeah well thank you again and we're going to be following along astutely so <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk to you again soon 
thanks again for coming on. All the best moving forward through summer. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah.